six days to Christmas. Six days we have arrived. Uh, this year in our house, Michael Bublé's Christmas album has supplanted Mariah Carey's album. And then we like to mix in just a little bit of Chris Tomlin's album to make it a little bit especially Jesus-y. And um, Luca has just been found walking around the house singing, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, which is cute until he's done it the 500th time. And then we're like, maybe we could think of another song. Um, Hope has been very busy, our eight-year-old daughter. She counts all the presents under the tree because she has to make sure she gets the exact same amount of presents as her siblings. So she's a big justice, fairness girl. And Victoria, well done. Victoria was recently awarded Warringah Mall Kmart's number one shopper. Well done. So... <laughs> You do spend a lot of time at that Kmart, is all I'm saying. All right, one week to go. Um, I do feel a bit guilty because I said to Victoria last week, um, she was speaking on that amazing passage, Isaiah 61, where Jesus picks up uh, in Luke 4, announcing the beginning of his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach good news. And I said, babe, you've got to use this line. Where Isaiah finishes... Jesus begins. Um, And then I was reading the next section of Isaiah this week, and I realised that today's passage is really where Isaiah finishes and Jesus begins. So, sorry, Victoria, that was a little bit of a stitch up last week. So this will be our last week in Isaiah, and then we'll do a good Christmas message on Christmas Eve. Um, Who's enjoyed this series in Isaiah? You know, I think it's been great to... I don't gravitate towards the Old Testament, I'll be honest. But I've really, really enjoyed it. And as I've kind of said, I now just see Isaiah everywhere. Every time I read anything in the Gospels or Paul, you see that it's just drenched in the fulfilment of Isaiah's promises. So as we come into this season of Advent, awaiting the coming of Jesus at Christmas, we have this amazing prayer in Isaiah 64. And we've got it. Come on. Good technology. All right. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 64. And we're going to look at verses 1 through to 4. It says, the prophet Isaiah, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze, causes water to boil, come down to make no name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. I wonder if you ever prayed prayers, almost of desperation, that God would show up and change things and make things right. Maybe you watch the news and you you listen to the news or you read the news and, and it leads you to this exasperated plea for God to do something about it. I remember feeling that way a few years ago when ISIS was running rampant through the Middle East and there was that footage of those Egyptian Christians 
in orange jumpsuits and they had them on their knees and they were beheading them. Oh Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Or maybe this year when COVID was running rampant through India and on the news you would see these people lined up outside of hospitals, literally begging for oxygen for their relatives. And you pray, oh Lord, rend the heavens and come down. It's a prayer for divine intervention. And then on a more personal note, as a pastor, I'm often privileged to people sharing with me some of the things that they are going through in their lives. Deep longings to see relationships get restored. Or maybe for a longed-for child to be born. Uh, Family conflicts to be resolved. Or just finding yourselves in work situations that are insufferable. And your heart gets broken by the human condition and and what we we, we face individually, but also collectively. And you pray, oh Lord, rend the heavens and come down. It's a prayer rooted in a belief in a God who can change circumstances and make things right. In Isaiah 64 uh, verse 1, the word rend literally means rip apart. The Hebrew word for rend is korah. And it's used elsewhere to speak of when someone's clothes are torn in two. It can have quite violent connotations. As when Jacob is led to believe that his son Joseph uh, is dead. And it says he tore his clothes. He korah his clothes. And so this prayer is denoting tearing the fabric of heaven apart. So that God might come down and intervene here on earth. Indeed, the next verse suggests that when God does this, when God tears apart the heavens and and comes to earth, it's akin to twigs being set ablaze by a fire. It is the spark of the divine coming to intervene. And so the prayer here of Isaiah is that God would appear and once and for all act decisively. That he would move from his realm in heaven to our realm on earth. And as it says in verse 4, that he would act on behalf of those who wait for him. As we've seen in Isaiah, the reason for this prayer is clear. Over the many decades that this book was written by Isaiah and his disciples, the people of God have had many, many difficulties. At first, it was the threat of invasion from the Assyrian army who'd already defeated the northern kingdom and then was threatening to come down and to invade the southern kingdom. And then you get King Hezekiah and that great act of deliverance. And they think they're through it. And then not that many generations later, the Babylonian Empire sweeps through and takes them into captivity. And then, even after being released by the Babylonian King Cyrus, they still don't find themselves able to live freely or to act faithfully to the covenant that they had with God. Remember early on in Isaiah what they were meant to do? It says they were like a vineyard. Planted by the Lord, designated to produce good fruit that would be a sign to all of the nations. But it says, when the Lord looked upon his vineyard that he had planted, 
He only found bad fruit. So they need a divine intervention. So the prayer of the people of God from Isaiah 64 is that God would send his presence and he would act to confound his enemies. It's a prayer that looks back and that looks forward. It looks back to the events of Exodus 19 when God met with Moses on Mount Sinai. But then it's also a prayer of longing that God would fulfill all the prophecies given in Isaiah about God coming to act in the future. So what's this event that's being referred to in Isaiah 64? Well, let's look back firstly at Exodus 19. So in Isaiah 64, what becomes clear is that so much of the language is pointing back to the events after the Exodus, at which time... God, if you remember, had delivered his people from slavery. That was this moment in their time when they knew that once and for all, God had acted decisively to defeat his enemies and to deliver his people out of slavery and to the promised land. Exodus 9 and 4, God says, You yourself have seen what I did in Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings. And brought you to myself. And then so Moses goes up into Mount Sinai and he receives the law. Uh, I think it's Exodus 20, you get the Ten Commandments. But it was a time, it says in Exodus, where the mountains trembled with God's presence as he revealed his will for his people. And so this prayer in Isaiah 64 is referring to the time that God came near. It's referring to the time that God spoke to them. It's referring to this time where God revealed his heart for them and had delivered and saved them. And so their prayer is, God, once again, once again, rend the heavens, come down. If you've ever wondered why America is more ostensibly religious than us pagan Aussies, uh, a lot of it is due to the fact that in, in North America, they're still actually living in the aftermath of what God did in the Great Awakening in the 1700s. Uh, it was a time of incredible spiritual re- renewal that happened across the nation. Uh, you might know some of the, 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 the main characters of the Great Awakening. Um, people like John Wesley and Whitfield. And uh, one of the preachers was a guy called Jonathan Edwards. And it led this time not just to churches being filled with repentant sinners, but to incredible social reform. Uh, Drops in drunkenness and theft and family breakdown. One of the main preachers was this guy called Jonathan Edwards. And he wrote about how God visited New England... And thousands came to Christ, uh, came to faith in Jesus Christ. He wrote, In the spring and summer following 1735, the town seemed to be full of the presence of God. It never was so full of love nor of joy. That's what happens when God rends the heavens and comes down. When revival hits an entire nation, entire towns are transformed 
And the fruit of it is love and tangible joy. Jonathan Edwards said, Several personas have had so great a sense of the glory of God and excellence of Christ that nature and life seem to almost sink under it. And in all probability, if God had showed them a little more of himself, it would have dissolved their frame. You know, it's funny, like, you know, the, the renewal that happened in Canada. People fell over under the weight and the presence of God. And it's nothing new. It's nothing new. You know, it happened in the Great Awakening. It's happened throughout history when God rends the heavens and comes down. <clears throat> Not COVID. All right. Well, if that's something what Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 4 is pointing back to when God shows up, then of course they're not praying this prayer because it's done and dusted. They are wanting God to show up again and to act decisively in their history. So much of this series in Isaiah has been pointing forward to a time when once again the presence of God would be revealed. Uh, Now, we don't have time to revisit all of these passages, but I want to read a few key ones as we come to Christmas. And I sometimes feel like, you know, with the book of Isaiah, it sometimes feels like a bottle of champagne. And with every promise, with every prophecy, the tension is building, waiting for God to act. Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. And you can feel it building. <laughs> Isaiah 9.2 The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And you can feel the tension building. Isaiah 9.6-7 For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And you can feel the tension building. Isaiah 11, 1, 3, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his root, a branch will bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. You can feel the tension building. Isaiah 53, 4 to 5. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. And you can feel the tension building. And then Victoria preached so beautifully last week on Isaiah 61, 1-2. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now the tension is building. It's It's pregnant, isn't it? With the promises that God will once again rend the heavens and come down. A virgin will conceive. A son will be given. The spirit will be on him. By his wounds we are healed. He will proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then 700 years after the first chapters of Isaiah were written, what happens? Hey! That was so much better than this morning. (laughs) 
Yeah. I, I want to change those stained glass windows one day. So we might take a few out. The Son of God arrives. The first Christmas is celebrated. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Jesus Christ, Saviour, Messiah and Lord. Plato, not Plato, Plato, the Greek philosopher. He once said, never can God and man ever meet. It just wasn't in their thinking that you could know the gods. And of course, that would be true, would it not? Unless God stepped out of heaven and into earth. And that's how the Gospel of John records what happens in Jesus. He says the word that is God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And it says we have seen his glory full of grace and full of truth. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And that's what we're going to be celebrating on Christmas Eve. In Luke's gospel, we get the details of what looked like when the heavens were rendered open, heaven came down. Luke 2, 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. It says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, his kingdom will never end. It's drenched, isn't it, in the prophecies of Isaiah. Oh Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Well, as I close, what are you longing for this Christmas? Standard answer is always peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind. And that would be good. That would be good. We need a bit more of that on earth. Or maybe you're just hoping that we don't get escalating cases and you can actually see some family and friends this Christmas. I want to encourage you that you might also long for an encounter with God's presence. Because the results, according to Isaiah 64, of God rending the heavens and coming down is akin to fire setting twigs ablaze. Isn't that good? And I wonder if there's some reference here to what happens at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descends upon his disciples. It says what seems to be tongues of fire came down and rested upon them. I don't know, that's conjecture. But it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the presence of heaven that came to live within them. And it says that a dejected, fearful, disappointed group went out from there preached good news and changed the world. It's the presence of God that rekindles their faith, their passions and their purpose. I wonder if you could do with some of that this Christmas too. Amen. Why don't we stand together?